Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Good morning, Greyfriars. It's fantastic to be here with you. Um, I'm going to start um, our sermon by asking you a deeply profound question. So if you're ready, please be ready to answer. Have you ever cringed at yourself, your former self? Ever looked through a tweet that you had done in 2010 and thought, ooh. Or maybe watched a video of yourself and thought, ah, this was great, but no more, no more. Hands up. Yeah, all guilty, all guilty. Well, this happened to me uh, this week. I, I was going through uh, this, the, the cloud storage on my, on my iPhone and came across a, a video of myself that, I, uh, that someone took of me when I was 21. And I genuinely thought I was hilarious. Like, the, from memory, I recall this was one of those moments where I thought, is this the moment I find my calling as a comedian? This is the moment that everyone will recognize just how funny I am. And so, being slightly vain, I clicked on it to watch it because I thought, let's relive that moment. And all of a sudden, really strangely, I felt sick. I felt, what was wrong with me? I was almost in pain. It was so cringeworthy. When you're young, you don't perceive uh, yourself in the same way that everyone else does. Uh, You just kind of say things with an arrogance of youth uh, and and assume that everyone else is fine when uh, everyone else can see, apart from you, just how arrogant you are. Many of us will know the feeling of doing or saying something that when we were younger that we would never think or dream of saying now. And for some reason... That is exactly the same feeling as I felt when I came to this passage today. Now that we have been grafted into the people of God by the sacrifice of Jesus, making a way for both Jew and Gentile to fully know and be known by God, I read these passages as my brothers and sisters of the people of God and thought to myself, ooh, are you sure you wanted to ask God that? Is this really how you wanted to phrase that question? Our opening verse of this passage is, you have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him, you ask? By saying all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he is pleased with them. Or, where is the God of justice? I find that cringy. I my immediate reaction was, what are you doing? God's people are so unbelievably arrogant and short-sighted. They're not just questioning God, but they're accusing him. Over the, over the last few weeks, we've seen that it's, it's God's people that have been unfaithful, not God himself. It is not God being unjust, it's these guys. I wince and cringe at the idea of suggesting or accusing that God is acting outside his character, or worse, saying he is what he said he wasn't. He says he's just, and yet the people here are claiming he is unjust. 
However, I do understand that it is easier for us to look back and judge, claiming that we would never depart from God in such an obvious way and without humility. But in many ways, this serves as a reminder to us about remembering who God is. See, the people here do not see the justice served that they had imagined. The community is seeing no physical or social distinction between those that do evil, the evildoers, and those that would live righteously. And it is there that is the complaint. The tension uh, that is being held here is between those that are not doing as God intended and yet not being punished. This tension is seen at various points in the Old Testament. The tension between God being just and and that fact that evil remains in the world. Many of us here will have faced that very same question. Maybe some of us will have asked, where is the God of justice? See, God seeks to answer this accusation based on the perceived tension that, uh, that has displeased God's people. In, in verse 1 of chapter 3, he tells us this. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you, you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. Now this feels like familiar territory to us. Being kind of a page or two away from the beginning of the New Testament... We know of some of what is being said here. We have a messenger who is there to prepare the way of the Lord. And then we have the Lord who is coming to his temple and being a messenger of the covenant. See, here we see Jesus was and is always God's salvation plan for the earth. Now, the people of the time would not have necessarily understood this or at least seen it very differently to how we do. But nonetheless, God promises the people that, that at the epicenter of change, there will be a person whom he has sent. Firstly, someone to prepare the way, and then the one who represents both the temple and the covenant of God on earth. And so we see that God uses the foretelling of Jesus to fulfill God's divine justice. Jesus' salvation mission on earth, as he preached to the crowds and the disciples, was inherently linked to Yahweh's justice. Jesus may not have come back on on horseback with with sword in hand to rule like a military leader, but he preached the kingdom of heaven saying this in John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you will bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments 
and remain in his love. The justice we see during the life of Christ is the divine justice that was meant for all humanity. For all have fallen short of the glory of God, and so all fall all deserve the wrath of God. And yet instead of our own lives being the atonement for sin, Jesus satisfies the wrath of God for our sakes. The justice we got was not the one that we expected, nor the one that we assumed we deserve. And yet it sets everyone who remains in Christ free from their bonds and chains to sin. It is here that God makes the distinction between those who are righteous and those who are evildoers. On earth, this may seem like no distinction. And yet, to God, it is the greatest of distinctions. I'm sure we can think of plenty of people who are evil, who actively take advantage of people, who, uh, who make life truly hellish for others and yet are still socially or maybe financially prosperous. But God says here in our next verse in Malachi, verse 2 in chapter 3, who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. Now, I had to look up in the commentaries about this because this is where I got a bit confused. The commentaries tell me that this is an, es oh gosh, an end times verse. We'll just go with that. It's an end times verse. We're talking about the day of the Lord. He will return, and on the day of the Lord, his full power will be on display. And it is there that we will see those who have remained in Christ, who have remained in the true vine. This is the justice of God, that what we live for and seek on earth is what we will, will get in return when we see that day. If we have sought the kingdom of heaven, we will inherit the kingdom of heaven. And for those who have sought their own kingdom, and built up their own lives rather than live a life of love and servitude to both God and others around us. They will be left departed from God and the glory that we, we will find in him. For if we are in Christ in life, so too we shall be in him in death. And we can trust in his resurrection to come. So if that is the, the divine justice that we talk of. That's the separation between the righteous and the evildoers. What then becomes of justice this side of heaven? Does God care? Well, clearly he does. Verse 5 tells us, so I will come and put you on trial. Be I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. See, as people who follow Christ, we are the ones who are meant to stand in the gap, in the void. We are meant to be God's hands and feet, his instruments of good justice. We are to model to the world what we know to be true in our hearts. That love 
conquers all. And that every single person on this earth is loved way before they're born and are worthy of being celebrated, of being honoured, of being uplifted. See, we must see our mission on earth to bring about justice as intrinsic to our Christian walk. We are to walk the walk as well as talk the talk. God requires of us, the faithful people here, that we stand against those who would seek to to destroy the name of God in what they do or what they say. And we are to stand up for those who are oppressed and vulnerable. If we do not, then we are as guilty as the Pharisees of hypocrisy. Our pursuit of justice is a reflection of God himself. And so by standing in the void, we show the world the heart of God. We must remember who God is, even in the face of injustice. Our call is to bring about justice. It's not simply to just be nice. It is to show that the creative order may be brought close to its creator by the experience of love that transcends all things. Whether it is those that are in need of justice and love, or whether it is those that are just looking and observing and watching you do it. Love speaks to the hearts of all and reveals God amongst us. The Spirit of God dwells in us to bring about spiritual and physical change in this life so that God may be glorified and his sons and daughters brought back to him. For God has brought us into the salvation story. We're part of this. To bring us close to him and to bring about his purposes here on earth. This may be simple for many of us and for others this might be the first time we've ever thought about doing something outside these four walls. So as we dwell on this passage this week... I'm sure there'll be a variety of reflections and responses. Some of us will need uh, healing, God's healing in our hearts, where we have cried out for justice and have yet to see breakthrough. Others of us may reflect on our lives where we have failed to act, failed to do what we ought to, and turning to God as we recognize the fact that we've done that. And there will be others of us that are stirred to action, thinking of new ways in which we can seek God's justice here in this world. Whatever your response might be, I'm going to encourage you to firstly pray. Seek God in all of these things because it might be that right now one thing's jumping out at you, but actually the other is what God wants to to highlight in your heart. Um. Whilst also praying, simultaneously talk to each other. Find someone in your small group or a close friend and talk about what it means to put love into action. Try and think and see of ways in which we see injustice in the world and where we play a part in bringing justice to that situation. Don't let the call to seek justice slide and go back to just the busyness of life. 
Through a conversation, you could join with people as a, as a joint effort to overcome some of these things. Or you can even keep yourselves accountable. We can build one another up as we seek to serve God in word and deed. And that's what I believe my, uh, Malachi is highlighting to us today. So let us just take a moment to pray. Feel free to close your eyes or bow your heads or however you'd like. Lord God, we thank you that you are a God of justice, that your purposes are greater than ours, and that by living a life in you, you give us your spirit in order that we can uh, go about our days fulfilling your purpose. Father God, we thank you that in all things, you ask, you ask of us to give our lives to you over and over again. Not just in word, but in deed also. May we be challenged and moved into action. And that this week would look uh, remarkably different to the week just gone knowing that you have called us to seek your justice here on this earth. In the name of Jesus, amen.